This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Joe Biden right now has no plans to visit Ukraine. He's come close. He's gone to Poland. Other world leaders are going to Ukraine. It seems like the thing to do right now. But Joe is not going. He can't go because, yes, it is the scene of the crime. All kinds of entanglements there involving Joe, involving Hunter. And the people there, they know. And uncomfortable questions could come up. So in the meantime... Real leaders, those who are unentangled by compromise, are visiting Ukraine. We saw Boris Johnson there. This this is leadership. This is what the United States can and should be doing with an effective, uncompromised leader. Much smaller countries have been visiting. In the uh, early stages of the outbreak, uh, the hostilities, we had the Prime Minister of Slovenia, the Prime Minister of Poland, the Prime Minister of the Czech Republic. Here they are on the train on their way, and yes, they met with Zelensky in the heart of Kyiv. This is leadership. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, he has other things to do. Yes, this week started with some Easter bunny frolicking, the uh, egg roll and (laughs) the bunny uh, somehow shooing Joe away from the crowds. Joe was saying too much, he was, he was talking about Pakistan and Afghanistan and the Easter Bunny could not have that. So this is not normal. We all know this is very strange. And it's the exact opposite of what Joe Biden said he would deliver. He would deliver normalcy, and it was all about America leading, remember? And our administration is ready to take up the mantle and lead once again. America's led the world not by the example of our power, but the power of our example. That's who we are. That's what leads the world, the power of our example. What is the example now? A decrepit man compromised who will not lead. And the problem is, yes, his entanglements and Hunter's entanglements in Ukraine. Joe made such a point of singling out Ukraine and cultivating relationships there. He went some, well, it varies. Take a look. Joe with Poroshenko back in 2015. He really singled out this country for special treatment. How many times did Joe visit Ukraine as vice president? Well, it varies. Uh, Officially, there were six trips. And by Joe's count, 13 to 14 trips, maybe even 15 trips to Ukraine. That is a lot of emphasis on one fairly small country. Joe announced to the world, though, why he was doing it when he was vice president. This is my third trip in the last seven months. You must be getting tired of seeing me as often as you do. And counting your trip to Washington, this is the first, fourth time we've met in person. I want to make clear America's commitment to Ukraine is not just about business and governments. 
It's personal. Oh, yes, it's personal. Personal for Joe Biden. Hunter was working for Burisma at $83,000 a month. Of course it was personal, huh? This is not normal, not at all. Um, but it is quintessential Joe Biden. Now, Joe, you'll remember, campaigned for president while staying safely in the basement. That was so bizarre. I remember thinking, why isn't this guy out on the campaign trail? Does he know something? And I think he did. I don't, I don't think he was worried at all about those, about those votes. Things are back to normal in a way. You have a conventional politician blaming others for his problems. So two years ago, two years ago today, in fact, Joe Biden said about Donald Trump, the president needs to stop blaming others and do his job. Fast forward to today. He's blaming everybody else. Let's be absolutely clear about why prices are high right now. COVID and Vladimir Putin. Yep. Not his fault. Oh, he threw a lie in for good measure. Uh, let's see. I know that families are still struggling with higher prices. I grew up in a family where if the price of gas went up, we felt it. He loves saying this. Remember, he pushes those phony working class credentials in Scranton. You know, folks have looked this up. During Joe's entire childhood, the price of gas did not change appreciably. All right. From the age of six to the time he went off to college. That is, uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's kind of normal, but it kind of isn't. You know, what is normal actually for America leading being out front. And when president Trump did this, I know it turned a lot of people off, but you know what? Damn it. America was in charge. Get out of the way. NATO, you listen to us. We're, this is not leadership by committee. I loved his style. I love that the world was frustrated with him at times. You can see it in this photograph. I mean, look at that guy. He's sticking up for America, and that's why they are so frustrated with him. Leadership. Sometimes it's not pretty, and sometimes it infuriates the swamp, but it's actually quite beautiful. Remember when he went to North Korea? Hey, that was a high-risk move. That was risky. I keep hearing, Joe Biden can't go to Ukraine. It would be too risky. Well, this move into North Korea with Kim Jong-un was not without risk. But you know what? We like a president who takes a fair amount of risk, right? Within reason, we like it. But remember, he can't do it. Joe Biden can't because it is the scene of the crime. And I believe we have proof. We have proof of his, if not outright criminal, at least corrupt, certainly unethical behavior. He admitted as such right here in New York City back in 2018, I believe it was, before the Council on Foreign Relations. Joe Biden is an ex-vice president boasting about how much he could get done as vice president and the message is how much I can get done for you, potential paying clients. Summarizing a very bizarre conversation he had with the president of Ukraine. Listen. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. Joe is bragging in public about getting a prosecutor in Ukraine fired, where his son actually works for Burisma on the board. How many prosecutors around the world did he demand their termination? I think it was just Ukraine. And can I see that date again? It's January of 2018. He bragged in public. Word got around, okay, about Joe and his bragging. Word made it all the way to the White House. 
And I think Donald Trump's reaction was totally legitimate. He was on the call with the president newly elected of Ukraine, Zelensky, and it was brought up. Let's take a look at the transcript, please. There's a lot of talk about Biden's son. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, uh, does that seem unreasonable? Is that unreasonable? We just heard Joe Biden do that. He bragged. Hunter was working there. This was a reasonable thing to ask for, I believe. And I think if you took Donald Trump out of the equation, and I know he makes some people crazy. He does. I love the guy, but he makes some people crazy. They impeached him for this. They impeached him for this. And when you impeach, you basically bring our legislative and judicial branch to a halt. You can't do anything else. And what a shame, because as they were impeaching over this, I think, perfectly fine phone call, what was happening? COVID. COVID was in its early stages. You know, Congress also missed September 11th, and so did our intelligence community, because they were focusing on silly stuff. For three years, it was about Monica Lewinsky's dress, okay? We can distract not only Republican presidents, but Democrat presidents from their mission to protect us and our country. And that's really, really dangerous and really, really sad. So Joe Biden, I believe, cannot go back to Ukraine because it is the scene of the crime. Stay with us. Something that wasn't a crime, but is being represented as police brutality. Sorry, this young man allegedly shoplifted. And juvenile delinquency is still a thing. The video went viral. Everyone's complaining about the cops. I think they did a fine job. We'll be right back with more. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? The fake news and the liberal woke left, they're going crazy about pretty standard police work, this time in Syracuse, New York. Now, there is a fair amount of crime in Syracuse, a city in upstate New York, And I'm sorry, but there is such a thing as juvenile delinquency. And a little kid allegedly stole something, and the cops tried to bring him downtown. Folks didn't like that. Take a look. What is y'all doing? What are y'all doing? What is y'all doing? Hey, you're like a baby to me. Why you? Why you? That's what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing. I just see you snatching my off the. So what? So what's going on then? You're stealing stuff. If you break into your house, you steal something. Nah, man. What are you selling? A bag of chips? So y'all treating me like a whole cold blooded killer? Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. You know, it's it's so tough to be a cop. Everyone's second guessing. Everyone's running those cameras. Everybody is suddenly a lawyer. Juvenile delinquency. I'm sorry. It still exists again, and uh, it may not be pretty, but it's reality. You don't even know what you're Keep talking walking. about. Keep walking. I do. I, I know what I just came up and see. I know the f- I just came up and see. Okay, what did you see? I see y'all snatching them off a bike like they're a f***ing grown man. What's your hand? Ain't he saying it? What's your hand? What the f*** is y'all doing? 
So as Rush called it, the drive-by media, uh, the woke mob, everyone's horrified by what they've seen here. And yeah, the optics aren't great. What is that kid, maybe 10, 11 years old, being hauled off by the cops? But of course, it doesn't tell the whole story. We don't see what happened before this picture. And little kids are capable of committing crimes, and we're not just supposed to let them go. And it's not a race thing, okay? I've seen white kids in handcuffs. I have seen black kids in handcuffs. And this isn't brand new, by the way. You can go back decades and decades and decades. We've always had youthful offenders. That's just the way it is and probably how it's always going to be. But with social media, outrages, well, is always there. Now, back to this kid up in Syracuse. It was recorded by, we believe, a local rap artist by the name of Hondo. And, uh, well, he likes to sing about the stuff that mm, is not helping anybody out. You know, a lot of uh, cursing, a lot of the N-word, and a lot of flashing money around. This ain't SmackDown, nah. I don't wanna fight, nah. This ain't SmackDown. I saw for what I did in my heart. I up a Glock and let them effing bullets rip them apart. They know how I know how I'm bopping. I've been lifting the stuff. That dumb thinking it's a race bout. Left with the stuff. No, sit down. You ain't on gravity, but you could be in gravity. So, if you've heard any rap, you've probably heard what he's talking about. The woes of the neighborhood and uh, violence and um, degrading language. It's it's all there. Now, we're not he's the one who promoted this video. We don't know if it's him who's speaking or a friend or a relative, but whoever is talking uh, behind the scenes there is not helping. Yeah, he's a kid. I mean, these cops, these cops are Well, they're in their 20s, all right? These are working class people getting hassled for doing their job. And by the way, uh, downtown Syracuse, it's not a, well, it's not an affluent place, all right? They've got problems there. You can see it is a distressed neighborhood. And that brings up a, well, a larger issue. Um, This kid was said to be stealing uh, chips from a small store, a bodega, a small grocery store. This has happened before, where children have been apprehended by police, and then, well, there's a lot of controversy uh, after shoplifting incidents in particular. In Cincinnati, a few years ago, uh, an 11-year-old girl was stunned by a cop, that one on the left right there, uh, a suspected shoplifter who was resisting and then ran away. An officer used a stun gun, but he explained what was happening. He explained what he was thinking. Listen to this. Sweetheart, the last thing I want to do is tase you like that. When I say stop, you stop. You know you caught. Just stop. That hurt my heart to do that to you. Then I got to listen to all these idiots out here in the parking lot tell me how I was wrong for tasing you. You broke the law and you fled. You know what, sweetheart? This is why there aren't any grocery stores in the black community because of all this going on. Grocery stores in the black community. That's a serious problem. Lack thereof. Shoplifting has driven a lot of these food retailers away. It's a real problem and everyone's missing it again. Now it's okay when corporate America occasionally talks about it or corporate media, but they never follow up. 
There's another silent crisis wreaking havoc on America's most vulnerable communities, food deserts. The food deserts are killing us. If you go to the white people neighborhood, they got markets here, markets there. Access to healthy food is a racial and health equity issue. About 19 million people in America live in a food desert. And Johns Hopkins research shows that food deserts disproportionately affect people of color. And a big problem is shoplifting. That's why some of these big, you know, whatever it's Pathmark or Publix or um, Whole Foods, it's very difficult for them to set up in some of these neighborhoods. This young man, possibly, if the allegations are, are accurate, are true, could be part of the problem. And by the way, this police intervention might be the luckiest break this kid ever had. Again, when there are cooler heads and emotions aren't so high, people talk about this stuff, even Michelle Obama. This is happening all across the country. We're setting people up for failure if we don't fix this. With an, a modest initial investment of about $400 million a year, uh, we're going to use that money to leverage hundreds of millions of more from private and nonprofit sectors to bring grocery stores and other healthy food retailers to underserved communities all across this country. If you can do it here, we can do it around the country. So let's move. Let's move. Let's get it done. But no, nothing really ever gets done. It seems like nothing changes because folks won't talk about responsibility. Folks won't talk about shoplifting in the inner city, which is keeping a lot of these grocery stores from setting up shop. By the way, what happened to that police officer who spoke so movingly, candidly, and honestly about the situation? Seven-day suspension and, um, well, he got a lot of hell from the community. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, the young girl and her family, they were <laughs> awarded $220,000 by the city. Kroger wrote them a check for $20,000. That's the store where the merchandise was allegedly stolen from. So these politically correct uh, viewpoints when it comes to shoplifting and what's really happening has basically made shoplifting legal. We're seeing it all the time now. Cops and security are essentially powerless to do anything about it. And if they do, they could very quickly be branded racist. And, well, nobody wants to be called that. Um, what a shame, huh? Hey, Jack Dorsey, he invented Twitter. And this guy actually is pretty thoughtful. I, I have my problems with Twitter. But he says that CNN, they use their crews to create conflict and film it. Oh, boy, does he have that right. So much of the mainstream media, they are about creating, con uh, creating conflict and then capturing it and selling it. We've seen it a million times, a billion times, actually. And this week, we have some conflict that turned out to be phony. Who remembers during the summer of 2020 this scene in Buffalo? Now, can we see that one more time, please? Let's see it one more time. I don't know of a city in the world where you can go up to cops and start messing with their uniforms and equipment and not expect literal pushback. All right. So to me, the moment I saw it, 
I saw a legitimate use of force. But of course, the cops were suspended and all hell broke loose and the media went crazy. National media went nuts. The unblinking camera once again tonight is framing some of the very issues involving police that have sent tens of thousands onto the streets in protest. The video of a 75-year-old man forcefully shoved to the ground by a Buffalo police officer, the latest jarring image rocking the consciousness of a country in turmoil. Some officers tonight accused of going too far. The disturbing confrontation now seen by so many, the police officers shoving a 75-year-old demonstrator down to the concrete in Buffalo, New York. Number one, what difference does the man's age have to do with it? How are the officers supposed to ascertain the age, right? They don't push, they don't mention either David Muir or the other one, Lester Holt, that the man um, manipulated their uniform, that the man touched them first. I think we should point out, don't you, that the cops have been totally exonerated. An arbitration panel ruled that the use of force was absolutely legitimate. Absolutely legitimate. Are they leading their nighttime news shows with that information? Of course not. They create conflict, whether it's real or not, and then they sell it. Oh, by the way, keep your eye on the New York Times if you want to. Look, it's my hometown paper. I kind of grew up on it. And, uh, it is a very strange newspaper. Some of the headlines that we've noticed uh, recently. How to support a child on the transgender spectrum. Okay, but how about this? On Easter, in this time of war, I propose we give up God. Yeah, thanks a lot. So the New York Times is strange, and it looks like it's about to get stranger. They have a new executive editor taking the uh, top job there. His name is Joe Kahn. And uh, to me, he looks like, I don't know, an assassin from the 1800s. This is, uh, this is his official portrait. Here he is right here. Does this look like a madman or what? Who looks at the camera like that? Now, it gets worse. Here he is. I mean, come on. This is, this is a bizarre individual. Whatever happened sitting in a chair, looking at the camera and smiling? Uh, no, they're too stylish. They're too artistic for that. Look, you can't judge a book by its cover. Who knows what this guy is going to implement at the New York Times. I'm not expecting uh, sanity, though. Are you? And the New York Times, they dictate so much of where the left goes. They take their cues from the Times. We'll keep an eye on it. In the meantime, stay with us. We'll find out why the woke left media went crazy when I called these guys the heroes of the black conservative movement. We'll be right back. So, no more masks, huh? Wasn't that great? Good feeling. Everybody threw away their masks, except the Biden administration. Oh, boy. First, it was good news. Then it was bad news. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle this. They were all over the place after the judge uh, made her ruling. Take a look. The CDC continues to uh, advise and recommend masks on airplanes. We're abiding by the CDC recommendations. The president is. And we would advise all Americans to do that. People continue to wear masks on planes. That's up to them. We are right now in the process of deciding, and we likely will appeal that ruling. Your administration going to appeal the gas mandate ruling? I've not gotten any brief from my the CDC. I don't know. When will you Follow talk to the CDC? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm the president. Follow the science. Follow the science. Uh, wow. What an inept response. I don't know now what their policy is, but I also don't care. I just know that I will continue to not wear a mask. Enough. They don't even work, okay? So, moving on. Crime is everywhere. You know, two years of demonizing police. You get this. Look at this guy. He's about to get shot in the back. This is in Atlanta. This guy casually walks up and shoots him and then robs him. Looks like he shot, by the way, a security guard. Shot and killed. It says enforcement in big white letters on the back of his shirt there. Uh, this was a, a peace officer gunned down. And nobody, by the way, seems to be remotely surprised or shocked. It's just a, another day in Atlanta. And some of the folks we can blame, quite frankly, for this laissez-faire attitude when it comes to crime, that there is really no crime, there's only white supremacy and systemic racism, are these individuals. Al Sharpton, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and Barack Obama, who for years now have pushed a false narrative about America being a systemically racist country. They have done so much to delegitimize law enforcement, and we're all paying a big price. People of color are paying a big price. Patrick Loyoya, is paying a big price. Well, he already paid it, he's dead. Remember, just the other day, he was pulled over, and instead of complying and doing what anybody would do, yes officer, no officer, he jumps out of the car and starts arguing and then runs away and then steals the cop's taser and is shot and killed. You know who we can thank, and you know who people of color, some of them can thank for their lives? Rudy Giuliani and Mike Bloomberg. These two, yes, white men, did more to protect and promote the lives of black men than certainly Al Sharpton, certainly Nicole Hannah-Jones, and oh yeah, Barack Obama. With their tough on crime, proactive policing, they saved lives. There was one point, one brief shining moment where Barack Obama seemed ready to have an honest conversation about race and criminal justice. It was a too short a moment. It was after he clinched the nomination, so he felt like he had it made, and it was a lull between the nomination and the general election, so he could say whatever he wanted without too much political repercussions. And he said the truth during that finite amount of time. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. It's all true, but he was criticized by the left, especially Jesse Jackson, so he never went there again, really, with any force. And some basic tips coming from him that could have saved lives were never repeated by him or anybody really on the left. And what are those tips? What are some helpful instructions? I mean, real things that can help people, of any race, by the way. Graduate high school, graduate high school. That will fix a lot of the problems that Barack Obama just summarized. Next, no children out of wedlock. Imagine that. Yes, if we reduce that, we reduce a lot of problems, especially in communities of color. And also, get married and stay married. Those 
Simple steps could do so much more than all that hot air about white supremacy and systemic racism. You know, there are some people who aren't afraid to have this conversation or have had it before. I pointed this out on the show yesterday. Uh, These are important voices, have been important voices in the black conservative movement. Sheriff David Clark, uh, the late great Herman Cain, we mentioned we lost him Unfortunately, two years ago, Ben Shapiro. He's not black, but he's an important voice and he's helped a lot of black people. And Ben Carson, Secretary Ben Carson, not afraid. Now, when I talked about this, it was mm, taken out of context. And of course, they're coming after me. Oh my God, a dead man and a white man. Mediaite and some other sites have said, uh, have tried to have fun with me for saying that a guy like Ben Shapiro could have done anything for the black community. Um, and he did in a big way. Take a look at this. Newsmax includes dead men and Ben Shapiro in lineup of contemporary black conservatives. Well, here's why I did pick Ben Shapiro, because he's not afraid to speak some real truth in uncomfortable situations. So this is before he did the college tour. Uh, here he is in a mixed race environment, somewhat hostile, and he's not afraid to say what needs to be said that others won't say. White family worth, in terms of uh, financial worth, is 69 times more than that of black families. Given this disparity, how can you argue that racism is not a driving factor in income inequality? Because it has nothing to do with race and everything to do with culture. And when you have a culture that doesn't, and when, and when, you know what, explain to me, you explain to me why black kids aren't graduating high school. Explain that one to me. Explain to me why black kids are shooting each other in rates significantly higher than whites are shooting each other. Explain to me why 13% of the population is responsible for 50% of the murder. Explain to me why the, why the number of blacks and black kids in prison, not for innocent reasons, not for walking down the street and getting pulled into a prison, is so high. Explain If it has nothing to do with culture, explain to me why the single motherhood rate in the black community jumped from 20% to 70% in the same course of time that the civil rights movement has made such tremendous strides. Is America more racist now than it was in 1960? And if it is, please explain to me how that happened. It's brilliant and brave. It's tough to deliver, potentially, in a mixed race environment. But he did. You know, conservatives can be real allies to the black community, right? Um, But it's never recognized. We're always made fun of when we point this out. You have to be a liberal to be allies with the black community, right? Like RFK, Robert F. Kennedy. He's considered a saint to this day. All the programs he talked about. How about Bill Clinton, right? America's first black president. Nobody flinched when that case was made. Again, because he was from the left. But the really valuable advice, I believe we just heard it from Ben Shapiro. Those three things can make more difference than billions, even trillions of dollars. January 6, 2021, uh, we know now that this is has been completely overblown and so many grave, serious questions have not been answered. Like, why did so many cops let people inside? Why are so many people in jail who didn't hurt anybody or break anything? 
So Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, she was a brand new member of Congress on this day. And her whereabouts are totally accounted for. Uh, she was in a room with uh, many other members. She wasn't doing anything. However, she has been labeled by some an insurrectionist. And they want to use that label, insurrectionist, as a tool to keep her off the ballot when she's up for re-election. It seems totally crazy to me, but the effort has gained some momentum. First, let's welcome back Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia. Welcome back. How are you, Congresswoman Greene? Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me on tonight. You bet. You bet. So, look, when I first heard about this a while back, I didn't really worry about it. It seemed far-fetched, but I see a judge has kind of given this thing the green light. Are you worried? And who the heck has the legal authority to label you falsely an insurrectionist? Well, I think that's the most shocking part about it. Uh, I've never been charged. I've never been convicted. I've never even been accused. I've never been questioned by the January 6th committee or anyone else about about my actions and and what role I played on January 6th, because everyone knows the truth. Everyone knows as a member of Congress, I was involved in the electoral count, as all of us were. And all I did was object to a few states uh, for Joe Biden objected to his electoral college vote. Well, apparently this uh, funded attorney group who is from New York and Massachusetts, and ironically, they're called free speech for people, which I find hilarious uh, as they're trying to take this effort to take my name off the ballot, rip it off the ballot and steal my district's ability to be able to reelect me, which they very much want to do. So these are people that hate. They hate the people in my district. They hate the way I fight for the things that we care about, like secure borders, ending abortion, protecting our Second Amendment a strong American economy and energy independence for America, not dependency on China. Um, but these are the things they hate about me because these are the things that they usually fund, like voting for illegals. And then they fund this group, Free Speech for People. Well, here's the funny thing about it, Greg. Out of, out of over 700,000 people in my district, they found five voters that were willing to do this. And one of them happens to be the Democrat district chair, for my district. So you can see this is nothing but a political witch hunt. And it's absolutely insane that I'm having to do this. Well, if they try to stop you this way, they're going to try to stop President Trump. Uh, obviously, uh, that will be next. I don't think they're going to succeed again, even though there's uh, you talk about this in the Constitution. Labeling you an insurrectionist, quite frankly, is uh, would be a lie. I know uh, plenty about this. And uh, we the January 6th committee has even looked at you and it's just not there. And you didn't do that. By the way, though, do you think part of this comes from you've been outspoken about impeaching Joe Biden? I think you uh, you, you raised articles uh, months ago. If Republicans take control, impeachment could happen and you'd be leading that charge. Do you think that's part of this? Well, I'm sure they were very unhappy that on his inauguration day, I introduced articles of impeachment on Joe Biden because of the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop and the and the role that we know Hunter Biden and his father played uh, in, in corruption and business deals in Ukraine and China and elsewhere. And this makes uh, President Joe Biden compromised, and he should not be serving as president of the United States. So I'm sure they're very unhappy about that. And they know this, Greg. They know that Republicans are taking back the House 
in uh, next year after we win the elections in November because they don't have anything to run on. They're running on inflation, skyrocketing inflation, high gas prices and an illegal invasion at the border. So they know we're winning and they've seen me fight uh, when in the minority. And I think they're terrified of who I might be in the majority. So I need people to help me out. If anyone's willing to donate to mtgforamerica.com, I need help to defend myself against this witch hunt. mtgforamerica.com. It's right there on the screen. mtgforamerica.com. We'll be right back. Clinchy's was forced to shut down on Mondays because people, they don't want to work. And he says the bigger issue is... Delivery drivers now. Nobody wants to deliver pizzas anymore because it's going into their pocket. Every time they deliver pizzas, they make 100 bucks. they got to put 100 bucks into their car. It's time for the Biden administration to fix the mess they have created. It's time to help the American people because they're struggling. Dr. Oz on the campaign trail. He's running for the Republican nomination for the U.S. Senate from Pennsylvania. And he joins us once again. Dr. Oz, welcome back. And uh, on the campaign trail, you're a natural. Uh, how are you? I'm doing very well. That's an establishment called Flinchies, and that gentleman is absolutely right. Folks can't afford to buy the gas to go deliver the pizzas and lots of other things. And across Pennsylvania, people are really irritated because they know right beneath our feet they've got natural gas that would drop energy prices, drop inflation, help us become energy dominant, and help our allies overseas. And they don't understand why won't the Biden administration help them with the simplest tasks, like free up federal lands, which we all own together, or allow the gas producers to actually go without having activists blocking them and get the gas out of the ground and pipe it to the coast. Right now, we're, believe it or not, the Atlantic coastline, New England, getting your natural gas from South America, which is not the most efficient way to do it, not wise in any way from it if you really care about the environment. And it makes us subservient to countries like Russia, who, of course, taken advantage of us. Dr. Oz, you're on the ground there in Pennsylvania every day. Are people bringing up transgender issues? I've noticed that you haven't talked about it very much. I have a feeling the New York Times and folks in the mainstream are obsessed with it, but not the folks. What are you hearing about it? And by the way, where do you stand on that issue? I'm pretty clear on this. I think five-year-olds, six-year-olds, we don't teach them calculus for a reason, Greg, because they're not going to understand it. We shouldn't be teaching them transgender issues as well. In fact, the people in Pennsylvania are pretty clear that biologic men should not be beating biologic women, that young kids should be left alone. We actually know the scientific data here as well. 85% of kids who are young who, who say they're transgender will go back to their biologic sex if they're not interfered with. So we should allow kids to be loved, go through life normally, and, you know, if the, in the rare circumstances, circumstances where they don't go back to their biologic sector, we can address it. This is an example of woke overreach, a you know, top-down approach where you're told what the answers are. And you listen to Jen Psaki, she says, you know, we're going to sacrifice kids. It's the opposite. You're hurting kids by exposing them prematurely. And I got to say, Greg, this is one of the reasons why President Trump endorsed me. Because he said, listen, I've, I've, I'm smart, I'm tough, and I won't let you down because you know what? I can argue on the same playing field, just like you, when, you've, when you're on that stage on national television, you'll learn how to take on the woke media. And yeah, I've got scars to prove it. I can't be bought, but it's worth making the investment of time to win the culture war. And Republicans keep walking into these knife fights of culture wars with index cards. Let's go in there with hard facts and, not, and make sure they understand exactly what we stand for. Wow, all right, hey, Dr. Oz, uh we, can no, we don't have to wear masks on planes anymore. And there was euphoria across the land. I want to show you something real quick. 
April 18th, the Biden administration announced that the Transportation Security Administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all U.S. airports and onboard aircraft. Was the whole thing a scam to begin with? What was your what is your stance on masks? You know, the Biden administration wants to now possibly reinstate it, fight it. Um, and I'm heard, I heard that, by the way, masks are to be effective. Uh, You've got to change them every two hours anyway. Is that true? Absolutely true. The surgical masks are not designed to be worn for hours and hours on time. They've got to be worn correctly. I don't think they make a difference on planes. And I've covered this topic quite extensively. 50% of the air in a plane comes from outside the plane. Greg, there is no COVID at 35,000 feet. And the rest of the air is purified so cleanly that it's better than being at home. So it's all a facade. It's a charade. And I just learned before we started went on air that the Department of Justice has been asked by the CDC to go and go after that judge and try to take down that that ruling, but that judge is right. These CDC rules are capricious, they're arbitrary, they do not have the authority to make these decisions. In fact, their act that, that defies this whole process was written in the Second World War, and it was to protect us against foreign communicable diseases. We're not sterilizing these planes with these rules, and the charade is upsetting more and more folks. Greg, here in Philadelphia, there's a mask mandate again. Hospitalizations are less than 10% of what they used to be. We now have a new mask mandate. Folks are irate. Businesses are being hurt for our rules that are clearly capricious, that don't have scientific merit. They're not following the science, they're following the political science. If you win and you get to the Senate, there are Republicans right now in the House who want to uh, convene uh, impeachment committees, impeachment hearings uh, on the border, uh, Joe Biden's personal uh, conduct. How do you feel about that? Would you be for proceeding uh, with uh, an impeachment against President Biden? Do you think there are grounds for it at this point? Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I've got to learn the rules of the Senate. But I'm really upset about the border like most folks in Pennsylvania are because we've actually created a humanitarian crisis by being weak. We've created a porous border where cartels are profiting by human trafficking and they're bringing drugs across. And just so everyone's clear on this, we had 100,000 people die of drug overdoses. That's four times more than people under the age of 50 who died of COVID. And again, this is why President Trump endorsed me because these are the kinds of realities that false narratives are allowed to get around. We cannot let that happen anymore. We'll have false narratives on the border. We've got false, false narratives on crime, false narratives on the Green New Deal, which is a lie. Why is Washington getting it wrong over and over again? They don't share our values. And here in Pennsylvania, the people I'm going to represent are very clear on what we stand for. We want Washington to pay attention. We don't want a backbencher in Washington. We want someone on the front lines. In fact, I know Dave McCormick, who's been my main competition, tried to get that Trump endorsement desperately, but he didn't get it because we don't want a backbencher from Pennsylvania in the Senate. We want someone on the front lines who's going to take on these issues aggressively. Dr. Oz is no backbencher. He never has been uh, in his entire life. Well, hey, we're going to say goodnight now, Dr. Oz. But as we go to break, you mentioned the president as an, and his endorsement. Uh, it was announced a couple of weeks ago, both in writing and at that rally. Have a great night and let's wrap on the president. By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Great guy, a good man, He's a good man, Harvard educated, tremendous, tremendous career. And they liked him for a long time. That's like a poll. You know, when you're in television for 18 years, that's like a poll. That means people like you, but he's a he's a great guy. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. 
Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Well, no Grand Stinchfield tonight. He'll be back tomorrow, but we do have a special Ohio Town Hall hosted by Rob Schmidt with senatorial candidate J.D. Vance and gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci. It should be great, and I'll see you back here tomorrow night. All the best.